0: Persistence, My name is Marty Natchez, hit me a certain way last night. Fantastic. I laughed. Shouts to Mike Maniscalco for that. <laughs> oh, man. It, Mike and I sit at the arena and we're separated by a, a big, thick pane of glass. Uh, so I was listening into the broadcast in the third period from my perch in the fifth floor. And I heard that, and I just, I I burst, I burst laughter out (laughs) over the people who are sitting, whatever the section is below us. I don't know if they got showered with my laughter, but I burst laughter at that. And I was like, sincere, that was just, it struck me as funny. And um, I don't know if Mike was, like if if he thought I was being sarcastic or not. I'm not sure he appreciated my love of that. But it was authentic. It was very authentic, and I'll I'll, I'll just say that I thought Nature's was really, really good last night, and part of it was that he was incredibly persistent last night, and that was just I just loved it. It was perfect. So uh, shouts to uh, shouts to Mike for that. Um, good start to the hurricane season. We'll, we'll obviously discuss it at least a little bit. Maybe it comes up in the listener poll. There is a listener poll out there for you. Uh, i tell you right now, here are your choices. Uh, the undefeated Carolina Hurricanes find a lie. Yeah. The sorriest NFL franchise. I can think of one. I can think of more than one, yeah. but I, I think there's only one that really qualifies for this. The discussion that happened that ACC basketball tip-off yesterday about... Should we expand the NCAA tournament? Should is a loaded part of that question. Will is probably a better question. Will they, not should they. We all know, no, they shouldn't. Because for those people who follow college basketball closely enough, they will all tell you the same thing. Not from the mouths of coaches that view uh, NCAA tournament bids as job security. But as people who watch the game, we understand this. There are exactly zero worthy teams left out. No teams that make the that do not make the NCAA tournament. Zero of those teams in that uh, if we had, did a Venn diagram, worthy teams of the NCAA tournament, unworthy teams of the NCAA tournament, and then the circle of who's in the NCAA tournament, some of the teams who are in the uh, unworthy get lumped in yeah. because 68 is a lot. So forget about should. Will they? Yeah, they're going to. Of course they're going to. Money. So we'll talk about that. Uh, And another option for you, Mm -hmm. the victory bell. Uh Uh-oh. The battle of the victory bell. Will they paint it light blue Mm -hmm. again, or will it be royal blue? That's what I assume Duke blue is, royal blue. Carolina blue or Duke blue? Uh, so those are your options in the listener poll. Uh, other than that, uh, nothing earth-shattering other than uh, we have a, an NFL owner who is apparently compiling a dossier on other NFL owners and the commissioner. Yeah. This is, first of all, predictable <laughs> and hysterical at the same time. This feels like a Housewives of fill-in-the-blank episodes. It is so good. <laughs> it is so good. The funny thing is that... What was reported today in ESPN, and we are going to discuss it, is while I have not been reporting this, I have simply been saying, Daniel Snyder must know something. So, let's get to other things, and then we'll talk about the commandos. I want to appreciate Hurricanes fans on Twitter who follow me on Twitter, at agolfan who listened to the morning after podcast the 25th anniversary podcast because i received more than just a few mentions yesterday i hope you're going to say you can't go 82 and 0 without first going 1 and 0 yes so i mean that's just a true statement hurricanes are 1 and 0 82 and 0 still alive. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm saying. Uh slow start last night for the uh, your uh, your heroes. I thought Columbus was the better side in the first 20 minutes. They were better. They they were more dangerous. Not that Carolina didn't have some chances, but Columbus was better. Patrick Lyonnais scores 11 seconds into the second. Really good play by Zach Wierenski at the just inside the blue line to get the puck loose from Jesper Fast. Uh I guess Woronski did deflect it, so he gets an assist. Lyonnais picks it up and drifts across to the just to the right side and beats Freddie Anderson, blocker side, for one nothing. Five minutes and one second later, Seth Jarvis. I he didn't steal the puck; it was given to him by Jack Roslevic of the Blue Jackets. Kind of a ridiculous behind the back blind pass to Seth Jarvis who brought it out from behind the goal line and backhand flipped for 1-1. And that was basically it for Columbus. They did have a couple of chances. In fact, they scored on a power play, but the power play goal was called off. Um, first of all, Brett Pesci didn't really commit a penalty, still went to the penalty box. Uh, but the uh, the play was offside, and they, they counted the goal, and then Rod went, what? They challenged it quick challenge, no problem, no goal, goal off the board and then there was a really really good chance with about a minute uh, 45 left in the period, maybe a shade more uh, and Columbus, Justin Justin Danforth, a young forward had a 2-1 lead on his racket and it didn't work out and they uh, paid the price. risky with it Here's low drive. Rebounds out in front. He's got an elevate it. Anderson might have got a piece of that one. Now Natchez for Carolina. Turning the puck the other way. Kukievi and Natchez. Natchez on the backhand. He'll pull up. Set to the top. they score! With 90 seconds left in the period. The Kings take a 2-1 lead. Brady Shea. Yeah, Justin Danforth on the backhand side had the entire net. Freddie Anderson was laying on his belly, and Danforth only had to elevate it over the goalie, and it's a goal. And he kind of poked it right at Freddie, (laughs) who knocked it loose, and then it went the other way, and then Brady Shea ends up with the goal. Good goal. Good shot. Deflected on the way in by, I think, by Wierenski. Anyway... Uh, so Carolina was a little fortunate there because they probably should have been trailing 2-1. Yeah. Instead, they were leading 2-1, and Columbus was broken at that point. Mm-hmm. Third period was utterly dominant. Carolina was all over them, uh,
1: and that was that.
0: Rod Brindamore, after the game, uh, opening his press conference.
1: Yeah, it, was, it wasn't It was a great start, for sure. I think Columbus had a better of the play in early Um kind of expected that to be quite honest and we hadn't played in a long time some guys hadn't played in a real long time so we definitely were a little behind the eight ball in the pace of the game uh, but uh you know freddie played really really well tonight It was uh you know i had made some real big saves at key times and you know and then the game i thought a third period started looking a little more like how we want to do it and i thought we kind of you know we're able to at least i don't want to say take over the game but certainly you know put it home no,
0: you took over the game.
1: Yeah, it took
0: over. like Columbus had a couple of chances here and there, but they went about ten minutes without a shot on goal. Yeah. Columbus, Carolina was absolutely dominant in the third period, and I think you saw. And even though Columbus is pretty talented, you saw the the gap between the two teams in terms of depth. A um, couple of things that I thought were really important last night: Martin Nates has played a great game in in the arena. He was the first star because he had three points, he had the goal, he had two assists. Uh, Freddie Anderson was the best player. No question about it, Freddie. That game could have been three nothing, Columbus, and it was one nothing Columbus in the first, say thirty four minutes. Uh, tw- minutes, not twenty four minutes, not thirty four. First twenty four minutes could have been three nothing Columbus. It was one nothing, uh, and then he made some big saves even at one one. So to me, Freddie Anderson was the best player. Natchez was great. I love Jalen Chatfield last night. Uh, this I mean. Defensemen develop differently than other positions, so sometimes when a guy isn't necessarily a prospect but has some tools, maybe he becomes something. I don't know if that's happening with Chatfield, but what was evident last night was he's fast. Yes. And some of their other defensemen options on the third pair are not fast. Jalen Chatfield is. Um, I like him. He got a little ornery last night. Loved what I saw. Uh, I thought that Brady Shea and Brett Pesci were amazing last night. First of all, so were Slavin and Burns, but it, it just became more of a Shea and Pesci show. And by the way, two guys with sh sounds in their name right. without SH. Yeah. Both of them. I found that. I don't know why I think about these things, but I do. <laughs> um, but they were a combined plus seven. Wow. Brett Pesci was a plus four. Awesome. Already leading the NHL. Uh, and I thought the fourth line was great. I thought Derek Stepon, and I admit that I am the driver on the Derek Stepan bandwagon, but he was great last night, and so was Jordan Martinook. They were uh, they were a handful for Columbus to deal with and helped to create the nature's goal, but they had other opportunities. They each led the team with three individual, three grade-A scoring chances. Not surprised that they didn't score because... Derek Stepan and Jordan Martinov. Um, but Stepan had the highest uh expected goals for anybody on the team last nice. night. It was uh it was pretty good. They, Carolina was certainly in the second half of the game, Carolina was the dominant side. All right, now to the uh, Carolina's off today. They play tomorrow uh in San Jose. Only a ten thirty start. I'm already tired. <laughs> hey, go check out the Kane's Corner podcast morning after edition dropped this morning. Actually dropped last night at about 11.45. Uh, and uh, it's got an interview with Tom Dundon in it. So why oh, not? Nice. Talked, uh, talked with the owner. Asked him about the uh, future. If he has thought about two years down the road, the future of the Hurricanes roster. And he said, yup. Interesting. So, oh, no, no, it's a, that's, that's probably, of all the stuff we talked about, the way Tom views the roster should be the most encouraging to Hurricanes fans. Uh, and there's a lot of other good things in there, but I thought that that was a good part of the conversation. All right, so great story on ESPN about Dan Snyder. And when I say great, I mean this is an incredible, eye-opening, cringeworthy story. And I haven't even, I think I'm like, 2,000 words into the story. This is a long piece. (laughs) Because there's a lot of crap when it comes to Daniel Snyder. But a great, great work done by Seth Wickersham, Don Van Natta, and Tisha Thompson. There was a time where ESPN didn't do takedown stories well, especially takedown of NFL figures. But this is exceptionally well done. So the thrust of it is this. Daniel Snyder has dirt on other NFL owners and Roger Goodell, the commissioner. And that's why Daniel Snyder appears to be untouchable in the eyes of, well, in terms of getting rid of him as an owner. You mean there's shade in the NFL? Interesting point, right? (laughs) First of all, and this is not to disparage... The the group of owners, right? Because I'm sure that there are some owners in the NFL that aren't dirtbags yeah. when it comes to how they made their money and who they hurt along the way without giving a damn. You know, there's plenty of Jimmy Haslam's in the league who who essentially swindled customers. There's plenty of... Uh, Stan cronkies of the world that screwed a community to move to a richer environment, even though the community was willing to do everything they needed to do what he needed them to do, and the commissioner was willing to lie for him. I will point out that in the most recent investigation, and I say most recent because there have been more than one into the conduct of... Daniel Snyder and the Washington commandos in the most recent investigation, which dealt with the, um, the cheerleaders and, uh, the workplace environment, Roger Goodell allowed the report to not be written. There is no other situation on this earth where you would have a full-scale investigation and not have a written report of it unless Roger Goodell was like, yeah, we're just going to bury it.
1: No big deal. Right? Look,
0: Roger Goodell burned the tapes when the Patriots got involved in Spygate. He burned them. Why? Yeah. Good question. Okay. He burned them. Let's just get rid of evidence. We don't care. I mean, it's not a criminal investigation. It's a league investigation. You can do what you want. And the commissioner can apparently do what he wants. But they are clearly protecting Daniel Snyder. But the story goes to great lengths to show that Daniel's like... Daniel. Uh, Snyder's walking around muttering to himself, They can't touch me. NFL's mafia. Which, frankly, I don't necessarily think he's wrong. No, But... And I've been saying for a long time, there's a reason why they don't get rid of him, because they could. Yeah, definitely. uh, Right? I'm not going down without taking you with me. And that's what he said. There would be collateral damage. And his collateral damage, according to sources, Jerry Jones, Roger Goodell. And I'm not even, I'm not saying that I don't believe that. Because I believe it. Not that I believe those two men are... Bad news. I'm not, I have no idea. But I believe that Daniel Snyder has that inform- information because he is that guy. Anyway, here's Seth Wickersham who joined Mike Greenberg on Get Up to uh, discuss. I mean, Snyder's not going down without a fight, right?
1: This is out there now. This has been reported. And as you say, uh, other owners and other executives have been aware of the existence of at least him saying these things before mm-hmm. so what should we expect to happen now Seth? well there's league meetings in new york in downtown new york next tuesday and we'll see one of the most interesting things is that it, it takes three quarters of owners to vote out an owner the owners don't think that the, the especially the owners who are mad at, at dan even over this i don't know if they think they can get to 24. But they've considered creative ways, maybe, of trying to force the team into the hands permanently of his wife, Tanya. And one of them is kind of an interesting technical thing, but they would jam him on a debt limit waiver. When owners build stadiums, they typically take out a lot of debt. The league has strict rules over how much debt they can carry. Now, most people think that Dan Snyder cannot write a check for a new stadium in the D.C. area and would need those debt limit waivers, including the loans that the league often offers. And owners have talked about not permitting him those waivers as a way, as a backdoor way to try to transfer permanent ownership to Tanya. Remember, and owners and and executives are really clear about this, when Donald Sterling had to let go of the Clippers years ago, it wasn't because fellow owners voted him out. It was because his wife removed him from the family trust. And so I think that they're looking at Tanya Snyder as maybe someone that they could transfer ownership permanently to who they respect and enjoy working with. His wife?
0: Yeah. Sounds like mom mentality to me. If we can't get you, we'll get your family. I mean, how does that get rid of Dan Snyder as an owner? (laughs) This is the, the dumbest thing ever. Vote him out. Make him sell the team. Here's the thing. It'll be worth more money to the National Football League if somebody not named Daniel Snyder or Tanya Snyder were the owners of the Washington Commandos. I'll even stop calling them Commandos. Actually, I won't because it's a stupid name. Yeah. Uh, But they're worth $5.8 billion now. It's the fifth most valuable franchise in the National Football League. It should be second. It should be behind Dallas. Dallas is one. Number two is New England. There's zero reason, other than recent success, why New England is worth more than Washington. Five point six billion. Yeah. No. No. Did I say million? I meant billion. Um. I I could have said anything. I could have said gazillion. For all I know. Um. There's no reason why Washington is worth less than New England. I mean, I could see Chicago. And interesting, interestingly enough, and I wanted to talk about this anyway. That's tonight's matchup in Thursday Night Football. Yes. You've got Washington at Chicago. And all I could think of was, 35 years ago, this was an awesome game. Absolutely. I mean, this game could be a Super Bowl. Yes. Well, it couldn't be because they're both in the NFC. True. But an awesome game 35 years ago. And today, two Hysterically bad franchises. No one cares, right? Well, no. They see that. That's the. That's the weird part is that those two fan bases care. Yeah, Bears fans and Commandos fans. They care, although that's waning in Washington now. See, here is your fans will tell you when it's time for you to go. As an owner, they are telling Dan Snyder. It's time for you to go, but Dan Snyder doesn't give a damn. He doesn't care at all. It's his team. It's his toy. He was also at one point like the the fresh face of NFL owners. Paul Tagliabue once called him the perfect owner. Yikes! How how wrong did you get that, Paul? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he is the worst. He's the worst owner. He's the worst human. In among all of, and that's a tough thing to do in the NFL is to be the worst human being owner. That's saying something. That is an accomplishment. Congratulations to you, Daniel Snyder. It's, he's just, it's, they got to get it, they have to get rid of him. And if you can't get 24 owners to say, yeah, let's vote the dude out. If you can't get 24, then Daniel Snyder does have dirt on you and he does have dirt on Roger Goodell. That's the only logical explanation for it. And him. more people need to be out. Well, yes, but it's not going to happen. No. It's not going to happen. They're not going to vote Daniel Snyder out. Uh, all right, real, uh, real. I am curious, though. I, I want to have a conversation of, because this is not just NFL franchises, although if you looked at the most... Valuable NFL franchises. You know what strikes me about that? Most of them are bad teams.
1: Wow. Yeah.
0: Dallas is one. Dallas not bad. Dallas very good. Dallas potentially excellent. Uh, A a a potential Super Bowl champion this year. No no joke. Number two is New England. Now we're going to cut them some slack. They were. I don't think they're very good at all, and they haven't really been good for a few years. But okay, we get it. Uh, Number three, I believe, was Chicago or maybe the Giants, number four was Chicago, and the Jets were, I think, five. No, Washington was five. The Jets are like, six. I mean, there's a lot of bad football teams who are incredibly valuable, which means that we have to figure out a way to incentivize being good. Right. <laughs> because, if the, like, the valuable teams can't all suck. Yep. Cal- uh, Dallas Cowboys, New England Patriots... Los Angeles Rams. Rams. Who are yep. very good, but the only read the, the Rams as a franchise, not all that. They're just in LA mm-hmm. and SoFi Stadium, which is basically there. So, yep. um, yeah, then the that, Giants. And the Giants, and then the Bears. Then the Bears. Then the Commandos. Command Jets are right there. Yep. Yeah. 49ers. 49ers are good. Yeah. 49ers are good. Now the Raiders. Now the Raiders are bad then the Eagles. Eagles, Eagles are, good. are good. Eagles are good. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, real uh, real quick. Braves and Padres each evened up their series yesterday. Atlanta shut out Philly 3-0. Padres evened up things with the Dodgers. They won 5-3. They lost 5-3 in game one. Seattle is in Houston this afternoon. Yankees will host Cleveland tonight. Astros lead their series 1-0. Yankees lead theirs 1-0. So there. Yeah.